It is great to be with you today. I'm going to dismiss our Kickstart kids. So our fourth and fifth graders, you guys can stand up and head on out the back. Um, you guys are going to have a great time today, and so I'm grateful for um, I'm grateful for everybody in our church that pours into our our young people. Um, I, I really am thankful for a church that believes in our next generations. But um, I, I wanted to say I was I was thinking about this week because I, I had a conversation with somebody, and and they were talking about how they 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 always they want to be able to give here at the church, but they but they struggle saying all right I don't I don't know that I have the means to do it and and one of the things that scripture talks about is that God gives seed to the sower and and, and so one of the things I, I said is pray ask and say all right God I, I want to be able to live that generous life I want to be able to be somebody who who does give and and so. God says that he will give seed to the sower. And so if, if we're going to, so if we're going to invest, if we're going to give, God will provide a way for us to be able to do that. And so um, as we get ready to, to take our, our morning tithes and offerings, I just want to thank everybody for, for you sowing into God's kingdom here and just what God is, is up to and what he's doing here at Living Stones. There's, there's several different ways that you can give. You can um, go on our website. You can give online. You can set up recurring gifts. If you don't want to think about it and having to log on each time, you can give here in person as the baskets are passed. You can text to give option. Lots of different ways. But I, again, just want to thank you for just your generosity and what you uh, allow us to do here at, at Livingstones through, through you. And so um, our ushers are going to come forward as I pray, and then we will pass the baskets and get on with um, our morning. So Father, we, we love you and thank you, God for being a great provider. Thank you for the, the way that you do provide seed to the, to the sower, Lord, that, you, that, that, that what we give, Lord, is, is not our own, Lord. It comes from you, and Lord, we, we freely and we, we, we give back to you what you've given to us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just bless your people as they give. For those that, that can't give, those, those that are feeling that financial pinch, Lord, I pray that you would provide a, a way so that they can be generous, so they can live that generous life that I know they want to as well. And so, God, we, we just just love you. We just commit the, this tithe, this offering to you, Lord, and the rest of this service, God. We dedicate it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and pass the baskets. And um, it really is great to be worshiping with you and have you joining us uh, today. Um, I, I, if this is your first time here, I'd love to, to meet with you and connect with you after service. Uh, my name is Pat Malloy. I'm the lead pastor here. And, um, I, it, you know, those who know me know that, you know, titles are not like a a big thing to me. Often I feel like titles create distance between people. Um, and, and like for me, like a title ought to, uh, it ought to describe what somebody does, not who somebody is. And, um, you know, my title may be lead pastor, but there's nothing special about me. I'm, I'm just a guy who's walking the same faith journey as, as everybody else, stumbling, trying to make sense of it, trying to do my best to, to follow after Jesus, and, and trying to encourage and, and share with other people that are on that same path as well. And, and while I wish I could stand up here, I wish I could say to you that I, I possess a, a perfect faith, that I don't ever question God or, or doubt God, that, that I always do things with the right motive, that would, that would be untrue. Um, more often than I care to admit, I, I do struggle with my faith. From time to time, and, and, I, and I try to I try to take control instead of trusting God. I try to follow my own thoughts and my own plans and my own ideas instead of instead of quieting myself and listening and, and sitting back and, and waiting to hear what God might be leading, where God might be leading in a situation. I I, I question, I get impatient, I, I react instead of responding. I, I struggle in prayer. 
And, and, and throughout my, my time here at Livingstones, one of the things I've, I've tried to, to do is lead just with transparency and, and honesty and humility. And, and even when, when I miss it, even when I don't get it right, even when I do fall short, my, my goal is to continue moving forward towards Christ. And, and so this series and today's message in particular is, is kind of a, a little bit of a glimpse into, into that walk. And, and, and for us to, to recognize, as much as we wish it was the case, that faith rarely fits into a nice, neat little box. Faith is often messy. And as, as I've said in this series, I, I want this place, I want Livingstone's Church to be a place where, where we can be honest, where we can be real together with one another, that we would be able to encourage each other along the way, that we can identify with each other's struggles that we have. And then we can support one another on that journey without, without judgment, without malice, without expectations, but with love and grace and compassion and understanding. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for kind of the, the preamble on the beginning, but I just want to share a bit with you about where my heart is this morning. And, and we are in a series that we're calling Deconstructing Faith, and we've been taking a look at, at, our, at our doubts and our struggles and our questions and, and wrestling with what, what does it look like when, when the things I believe, or the things I've always thought I believe, don't necessarily match up with my lived experience. And as I stated a few minutes ago, I, I'm, I'm approaching this as a, as a fellow traveler, as a fellow journeyer. I'm not, I'm not there. I haven't arrived. I, I'm talking from the middle. I'm talking from walking this, this journey myself. And, and where I want to begin this morning is with a question that has been around for, forever. And, and I, it's a question I guarantee that everybody in the room, everybody who's joining us online, at, at some point or another has asked, has wrestled with, has, has contemplated in one way or another. And that question is, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? Like, we, we've, we've all heard that question. We've all, we've all wondered that. We've all pondered, and we've wrestled with that from time to time. And, like, this idea, all right, well, if God is good, then why does he allow pain and suffering? Especially what feels like needless pain and suffering. And, and so, if, if you expect me to answer that question satisfactorily this morning, I, you're going to walk away disappointed today. Um, because I, I don't necessarily have a great explanation for that. Um, it, it's something that we do wrestle, we contend with. Uh, it, but, but as we explore that idea, as we explore that question this morning, why do bad things happen to good people? I want to begin today from a place of recognizing that bad things happened with Jesus too. Like Jesus experienced bad things in his life as well. If there was anybody that was justified in asking that question, it would be Jesus. You know, the, the perfect, sinless, righteous son of God, like he had every right to file a complaint with management of saying, all right, I, I don't understand this. Why are these bad things happening to me? I've done nothing to bring them on. I've done nothing to deserve them. And, and I shared this passage a couple weeks ago, and I wanted to bring it up again. It's Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 and 46. And, and Jesus is, is hanging on the cross in this moment, and, and he's, in a very, he's in a very dark place in this moment. And literally, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And that word forsaken means to be rejected, deserted, to let go, to be abandoned. And I talked about this on Good Friday, that Jesus was utterly and completely alone in this moment. He had been betrayed by Judas, one of his closest friends. His, his other followers, his other disciples had, had turned tail and ran to cover their own hides because they were, they, were, they were afraid, they were worried. The crowd who cheered his arrival in Jerusalem had now turned on him. And as he was dying on the cross, as he was carrying the weight of your sin and of my sin, he felt he even felt abandoned by God, by his heavenly Father. And, and let's be honest, like it, th- this, is, this is painful. This is something that we've all experienced in one way or another, where we feel that sense of abandonment, of that sense of rejection. You know, maybe it's a, a spouse walked out on you. Perhaps a parent. You felt, it, you felt abandoned by a parent. Maybe they left you. Maybe they didn't like, you know, something that, that, or agree with some life choice you made, and they pushed you away. Maybe you have a, a close friend that for, for one reason or another, they just completely shut you out of their life. Maybe at the workplace, an employee or, or an employer or a coworker just kind of left you high and dry. And, and we can all relate to this. Like we, we've all experienced that in one way or another. We, we know the feeling of, of, of being rejected, of being abandoned, and it hurts. There, there's, no, there's no way around that. There's no sugarcoating it at all. But what's an even worse feeling is when we feel rejected and abandoned by God. It, it's a worse feeling because we're saying, all right, like I, I can understand like fallen people, like they're, they're going to let us down. We, we can understand that, but when, when we feel rejected and abandoned by God, it, it hurts all the more. Of God, where, where are you? Why is this happening to me? Why is this going on? Why, why the pain? Why have you forsaken me? Do you not even care? Do you not even hear me? Where are you in the middle of my pain? And maybe there's some in the room that, that, are, that are dealing with those exact questions right now. That are, that are working through those same exact thoughts. And the sad reality is that all too often, and I've, I've seen this countless times along the way, is that when we feel rejected by God, our natural response typically is then to reject God ourselves. If we feel like God has rejected or abandoned us, we reject and abandon God and walk away from him. If you think about like Job's wife and, and what Job's wife encouraged him to do, Job, Job's life completely fell apart. He lost everything. He lost his health, his kids, his, his wealth, everything. And it looked like God had completely abandoned Job. And, and Job's wife encourages him and says, why don't you just curse God and die? Like God, God has obviously rejected you. He's obviously abandoned you. Why don't you just abandon him and just, just, just go, just pass on? And so when, when, when we when we feel that rejection from God, often our response is then we reject God ourselves. We quit praying. We quit coming to church. We quit leaning into the things of God. We, we, we quit on faith altogether. And so I, I, obviously that's not, that's not a, a healthy way for us to deal with those feelings when we feel rejected, when we feel abandoned by God, when we feel like our, our, our doubts and our questions are overwhelming us. And so what I, my, my goal this morning is saying, all right, in, instead of that, instead of rejecting God and walking away, all right, what, what are some right responses we can have when we feel like life is crushing us? 
when we feel like God isn't there. Then instead of walking away from faith, what can we do to respond when we find ourselves in these dark places? And so this first one, it's going to sound really simple, but it's also really difficult to do. And this idea that we remind ourselves that God loves you, that God loves us, and that he's with us. Reminding ourselves of that truth, that, that God loves us, even in the middle of this extremely dark place that I'm in, that God loves us, and that he is still with us. That even on our worst day, God has not left. He has not abandoned us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. The writer of Hebrews writes, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And so because God is with us, we are never alone. Like, my mind, it goes to weird places sometimes. And, and a number of weeks back, I, I was thinking, all right, what is, what is the most remote place on the planet? Like, if you wanted to be completely alone, completely removed from everybody around, where, where would you go? And so I looked it up. And, and thankfully, the good news for me, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration has actually figured this out. And they've named it. It's actually called Point Nemo, if you can actually put it up here on the screen. This is the Pacific Ocean. You can see New Zealand, Australia. You can see South America on the right side of the screen. Point Nemo, it is the most remote place on the entire planet. The, the nearest land is over 1,400 miles away. That, that's how far removed Point Nemo is from anywhere. Like, it, it is so remote that astronauts on the International Space Station, when it passes overhead, are closer to Point Nemo than anybody else on the planet. Like, think about that. A place that is so far in the middle of nowhere that you have to go to space to find other people. Like that, and that's, that's again, the, the most remote place. And, and even if you were floating on a raft in Point Nemo all by yourself, even then, you're not alone. We can remind ourselves that we are not alone, that God loves us and is with us, even when we don't feel it and even when we don't see it, reminding ourselves of that fact. And, and Jesus, he says this again, like right before Jesus ascends into heaven, that after he'd been resurrected, after he walked around for 40 days and we talked about some of the appearances that, that Jesus made, the very last thing he says in Matthew 28, 20, he says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He says, all right, even though I'm leaving in, in this moment, I'm still with you. Always. Not sometimes, not occasionally. I am with you always. And so you may feel lonely or abandoned or isolated. And I know that's hard because I've felt that so many times myself. Times where I feel like, all right, God, have you forgotten about me? And needing to remind ourselves of that fact, that God does love me. He is always with me. And, and because God loves me, because he is always with me, I can take to him those difficult, those hard questions. We've, we've talked a little bit about that over the last couple of weeks. We can take our tough questions to him. And, and the writer of Hebrews in chapter 4 in verse 15 tells us this very fact. It says that this high priest of ours, talking about Jesus, 
He understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings that we do. Jesus endured and went through the same struggles that you face. And yet did not sin. And so, because of that fact, because of the fact that Jesus can can sympathize and understand and has walked in our shoes, because of that fact, let us come boldly, boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And when we're there, when we approach him boldly, we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Like the writer of Hebrews is saying, all right, go to God boldly in those moments because he gets it. He understands. Bold prayers, bold questions, bold concerns. Why did you allow this to happen? Why didn't you prevent this? Why didn't you heal? Why didn't you answer my prayer? Why the divorce? Why the constant migraine headaches? Why the cancer? Why the abuse? Like, we we don't have to timidly go before God. The writer of Hebrews says, boldly come. And I'm going to be honest with you. There's sometimes I've taken my, my bold questions to God. And sometimes I feel like I've gotten a little bit of insight, a little glimpse into what God is doing, a little bit of clarity. But more often than not, more often than not, when, when I take those bold questions, there is not a clear answer. Like, I wish I could tell you, all right, just go boldly to God. And he, all right, he's going to open your eyes and show you the why. And in my experience, more often than not, that's not the case. But the writer of Hebrews tells us, all right, that we may not always get the answer we're looking for. But he says, what you will get, when we boldly go to God, what we will receive is we'll receive his mercy. We'll find grace to help us when we need it most. Like, I I may not get the answer, but he'll give me his mercy. He'll give me his strength. He'll give me his grace, grace to keep going, to keep walking, to keep moving forward, even when I don't see the whole picture. We can boldly go before him because he's walked in our shoes. Mercy and grace to recognize that because God is with me, this season, it's, it's a part of my story, but it's not the entire story. What, what, I'm, what I'm walking through and what I'm dealing with right now, it's a part of my story, but it's not the entirety of the story. Like Jesus, he was on the cross and he felt alone and he felt abandoned and he felt rejected by, by, by all of his peers, by God. But three days later, he rose again. There, there was purpose in his pain. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, at some point, when we see face to face, like now, now I know just in part. I don't see the whole picture. I see just a, a small snippet. But then, someday I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Like, like Paul explains that while we walk on this earth, we're only going to see a part of the story. We're not going to see the entirety. We don't have access to, to the entire story that, that God is writing. Some, someday we will. Someday it will make sense. But in this moment, we're going through, in, in this chapter that we're in right now, sometimes we don't see how it's all going to work out. And we have to remind ourselves that this is just a chapter, it's not the story 
It's not the entire book itself. And, and I, wa- I want to remind us of this fact that let's not, let, let's not let a chapter, let's not let a season define the rest of our lives. That when we're walking through a difficult time where things don't make sense and, and, and the doubts and the questions and everything feel overwhelming, we feel crushed by it, let's not let a season, let's not let a chapter define the rest of our life for us. Like there are times that I look back on really difficult times and seasons, times that I have felt abandoned, times I've felt rejected, times I've wondered how or if I'm going to make it through. And it's amazing what a little bit of distance will do. And this is not to minimize the pain or it's not to minimize anything that anybody is going through. But there are so many times that I can look back a year later or maybe five years later or, or ten years later and I can realize that that moment, it was a part of my story. It wasn't the entirety of my story. It was just a chapter in the book. And, and obviously, like, there's no sugarcoating it. Like, yeah, those seasons, they suck. No doubt about it. But it is a part of the story, not the entirety. And, and so we, we have to remind ourselves constantly, God, I know you love me. I know you're with me. I know you love me. I know you're with me. I think the second right response that we can have, in addition to, to, to trusting it and saying, God, I know you love me, I know you're with me, is that we turn our why God into what God? Our, our why God questions into what God questions? Like when, we're, when we are in a season, when we're in a, a chapter where it feels like God has left, where he's not there, maybe we do feel rejected or abandoned, taking our, our why questions and turning them into what questions? God, what do you want to teach me here? God, what, what do you want to teach me in this moment? Scripture records something really interesting in Hebrews 5.8. It says that even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Like, Jesus learned in his suffering. He learned in his suffering. It wasn't pointless pain. He learned in his suffering. And he, like, no doubt, Jesus asked God, all right, why? Why have you forsaken me? He did ask why. He came boldly before God saying, why is this happening? Why have you done this? But he stayed on the cross because of the what? He stayed on the cross because of the what? That Jesus knew the, his what was to save humanity. That when we're going through a difficult season, we should boldly ask those why questions. Let's talk to God about it. Let's just be real with God about it. But make sure we ask the what questions. God, what do you want me to learn as I'm walking through this? What do you want me to learn in this season? Because if we stay at the why and we never ask the what, if we always stay at the, God, why? Why is this happening? And we never ask the what. We never ask, all right, God, what do you, what do you, want, to, what do you want me to learn here? What do you want me to do in this moment? It leads us to, to questioning God's character, questioning his love and his goodness and his promises. But we, when we can start to ask what, we can lean into that learning. God, what do you want to do in me? What are you trying to show me right now in this moment? And the Apostle Paul, he was a great example of this. He was a great example of this. Like Paul, Paul had what he described as, as a thorn in his flesh. And he doesn't elaborate on, on what that thorn literally was. But, he, but three separate times, he asks God, he pleads with God, God, would you remove this thorn from me? 
And just a, a side note, if you ever get discouraged in prayer, feeling like, all right, God, I'm asking you to do something, and, and it just feels like you're not doing anything, like Paul, the, the, the guy who, who met Jesus face to face, who wrote two-thirds of the, new, of the New Testament and planted churches all over the known world, like he prayed and he asked God for relief. And he could have very easily felt rejected and abandoned by God. All right, like God, you're just turning a deaf ear to, to, my, to my pleas. But I want you to hear how Paul responds to it. He writes in 2 Corinthians 12, he says, because of these surpassing great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, three times, Paul asked, God, would you, would you remove this thorn from me? Three times he said, I, I, I don't want to deal with this. Would you take it away from me? He was asking the why, but he didn't stay in the why. He writes out his what, what God was wanting to do in him, what, what God was trying to teach him through this, what he could learn along the way. Because Paul dealt with some pride issues in his life. He dealt with some pride issues. And, and, and so what may have felt like rejection, what may have felt like God ignoring him through this pain, through this thorn, in actuality, God wanted to use this, this time, this season, this difficulty, whatever that thorn was, God wanted to use it in order to grow and to mature Paul. Because there were things to come in Paul's life that God needed him prepared for. Like I mentioned, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He, he raised up and he trained other pastors and leaders like, like Timothy and like Barnabas. And, and he, like he planted churches. He turned the world upside down for Christ. But Paul's pride may have been a hindrance to the ministry that God had for him. And so God used that thorn. He used that pain to do something great in Paul's life. And, and I heard a pastor say one time, and I loved this, this phrasing. He said, oftentimes your greatest ministry will come out of your greatest misery. That your greatest ministry will come out of your greatest misery. That if we allow him to, God can take our pain and actually use it for some good. He can use it to be a blessing to someone else. I, I know somebody, she was horrifically abused as, as, a, as a young girl. And God has used that ex experience, that as, as awful and as horrific as it was, for her to be an advocate now for other women, for other girls that have been, that have been victims as well, that, that God used her misery to become her ministry. And so not staying at, at the why, not just saying, all right, God, why is this happening? But saying, all right, what? God, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to learn? What do you want me to see? What are you trying to do in me? What, what do you want me to do? What are you trying to do through me in this situation? That we can remind ourselves, all right, God loves me, he's with me. That we can all right, not just say, God, why, but God, what? God, what do you want to do? And, and I think the, the third way that, that we can respond in this moment is that when we, can't, when we can't see God's hand, that we trust God's heart. That when we, when we can't see God's hand in the situation, when we can't see his hand and what's going on and what he's doing in this moment, that we would trust his heart anyways. Go, going back to, to Jesus on the cross and he was feeling forsaken by God in that moment. Like I, I want you to know Jesus was not powerless in that moment. 
He could have come down off the cross. In fact, he, he said when, when the, the soldiers came to arrest him, he, he said, I, I could call legions of angels to come and rescue me right now in this moment. But he didn't. He, he stayed on that cross because he trusted. He trusted his Father. He trusted his Heavenly Father's plan. In Luke 23, 46, Jesus is on the cross, and he called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. And, and, I, and I want you to catch this. That he went right from, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Immediately to, into your hands I commit my spirit. Like I feel abandoned, I feel forgotten, I feel alone. I don't like this, and yet I trust you. Yet I still trust your plan. Yet I still trust your character. I still trust what you're doing. They're hurting me, but I trust you. They've rejected me, but I trust you. And often when, when we do feel rejected or abandoned by God, the first thing to go is often our, our trust of God. All right, God, I thought I could trust you in this situation. I thought I could trust you with this part of my life, and I don't know that I can right now. I think in those moments, and all of this is highly intentional. Like, this isn't something that just naturally occurs that, that happens on its own. It's something we have to intentionally do. We have to intentionally seek to do. But we have to remind ourselves of who God is, reminding ourselves of, who, of, of, his, of what his character is, reminding ourselves of, of God's promises. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1.20, says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. And it's kind of a clunky phrasing of what Paul is saying here. But he's saying like we can turn up our trust in God by saying amen to his promises. And, and amen literally means so be it. It's kind of saying like I agree with this. Let it be so. And so what Paul is saying is all right, like God's promises are yes, and, and so we can say amen to God's promises. All right, God, let it be so. Those things that you've said, that character of who you are, let it be so, amen. And I've been working through this a lot in, in my own life. To say amen to God's promises and trusting him through tough seasons. We, we shared the, the verse earlier, Hebrews 13, 5, where Jesus says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Amen, God, I trust that you are with me. I trust, amen, I believe, so be it. What you said is true. I believe that promise. I believe what you said. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Amen. Like, I believe, I trust that, let it be so. Let it be so. You're, you're taking my mess right now and you are turning it into something beautiful. I don't see it, but I'm trusting it, amen. Ephesians 3.20, for now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us, amen. Amen. I trust that you can and that you will do more than anything I can think or conceive in my own mind. Philippians 4.19, my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches 
of his glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Like, God, I trust that you're going to provide. I trust that you're going to make a way, even though I, I got more bills than I have money in my account. Amen. I believe you're going to provide through gas and through inflation and, and the cost of everything going up. God, I trust that you will meet my needs. Amen. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. Somebody needs to hear that today. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. Amen. I'm agreeing with that. God, your character has not changed. You haven't changed just because I'm going through a difficult time. You have not changed. Your character has not changed because I feel alone in this moment. It's hard, but I trust you. I don't understand, but I trust you. I can't see what you're doing, but I trust you. Amen. So be it. Let it be so. I said earlier that often when we feel abandoned by God, when we feel rejected by God, when we feel alone, like God has forgotten about us, often our natural inclination is to reject God and walk away from Him. To walk away from faith, walk away from, from church. I know it. I've seen it. And if I'm honest with you, there's many times that I've been tempted to do the same being real with you, where I've been like, all right, really, God? Maybe, 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 this is, maybe this is just a joke. I'm just being honest with you. I've been tempted to do the same. There's a passage in, in John's gospel that has provided such encouragement to me over and over and over again. It's one of my favorite passages in, in all the Gospels. And if this has been an encouragement to me when I felt this way, I trust that it will be for you as well. But Jesus, he, he's teaching, and, and some of the things he's having to say are really difficult to, to take in. They're difficult to digest. And, and people, are, are, they're, they're, they're kind of rejecting what Jesus is having to say. And John records in John chapter 6, starting in verse 66, at this point, many of his disciples turned away. Je Jesus was teaching. They, they didn't like what he had to say. What he was saying was hard. They didn't understand it. This, this is too difficult. I, I, it makes me uncomfortable. And they turned away and they deserted him. And Jesus turned to the 12 and he asked, are you also going to leave? Those, those times we've felt abandoned, we've felt rejected by God, we feel forgotten by God. And Jesus is saying, all right, are you, are you going to leave too? Like, that, that's, that's the natural inclination. It's natural for us to, to, to walk. And he says, are, are, you, are you going to as well? And Simon Peter, who we talked about last week, replied, Lord, to whom would we go? I've held on to those words so often in my life. To whom, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. 
There, there are so many times I've felt tempted to turn away where I've wrestled with my doubts, I've wrestled with my questions, I've wrestled with the, the circumstances that I find myself in in life, and it's felt very tempting to just walk away from faith and just say, all right, whatever. This feels too difficult. I don't like what I feel like you're asking me to do. God, where are you? I, I don't know if I can believe you. I don't know if I can trust you in this moment. But coming back to Peter's response, where, where else would I go? To, to, to whom else? Where, where else could I go? Because you hold the words, you have the words of eternal life. And it's okay to struggle. It's okay to still wrestle. It's okay to still ask those bold questions. But in the end, my prayer for you and my prayer for me is that we would come to that same place that Peter did. To whom would we go? To whom would we go? Because God, even though I'm not experiencing it in this, in this moment, God, you have the words that bring eternal life. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I know it. I believe you are the Holy One of God. Like, like if, if in those moments, in those dark moments where we're tempted to walk, that we could remind ourselves of what Peter had to say. To whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life, and I believe, I believe you are the Holy One of God. I'm not seeing it right now. I don't feel it right now. I look around and I see no evidence in my life to back that up right now. But just as Job said, yet shall I trust you. And I'm hoping that when, when these moments come, when these times come in, in your lives, when they come in my life, that, that we can work through some of those healthy responses. And I can't say I've done that perfectly. I, I've, I attempt to. I don't always do it well. I don't always do it right, but, but reminding myself, Pat, God loves you, and he's with you. T turning my, my why God questions into what God questions. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want to do through this situation? And when I can't see God's hand, God, I'm still going to trust your heart. I'm still going to trust your character. I'm going to still trust who you are. And I want you to know, like, if, if you are at a place in your life where you're struggling with your faith, where you're asking those same questions, and you feel like, man, I, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what I believe anymore. I want you to talk to us. I, I, like, come up at the end of service. Reach out. Like, you're not going to receive judgment. You're going to receive compassion, understanding, love encouragement. So would you allow me to pray for, for us right now? Would you bow your heads? Father, I, I love you so much. God, I thank you that you are so good to us all the time, the way that you, the way that you care, the way that you meet us right where we are, that we, can, that we can be real and that we can be honest. We don't have to sugarcoat and we don't have to pretend. And Lord, I, I pray for those this morning that maybe are are working through and, and, and dealing with a really difficult time where they're looking around and, and they're saying, I, I don't even know if I have faith to keep walking. I don't, I don't know if, if this is even worth it. I, God, I don't even know where you are. 
right now. God, I pray for those that are struggling in those moments right now. God, that you would show yourself faithful in their lives, Lord, that, that, that we would make these, these choices, we would make these decisions of saying, God, I know that you love me. Even though I don't feel it, I know that you love me. I know that you're with me, even though I don't see your hand right now. And God, I, I, I don't want to just sit here and complain. I don't just want to sit here and be angry. And I'm going to boldly ask those questions. But God, that you would help us to ask that. All right, but God, what? What do you want me to do? What do you, what do you want to show me? What do you, how do you want me to grow? What can, I, what can I do to become the person, God, you've called me to be in this situation? And in the end, God, when I don't see your hand yet, I'm going to trust your heart. That we're going to trust your character knowing that you are good all the time, even when we don't see it, God. We stand on that promise. We stand on that knowing that you are good all the time. And, and I pray for those that maybe are, are struggling with those questions, struggling with their, their doubts and their faith right now. God, I pray that you would give them just a holy boldness to not struggle with it alone, but to come and talk, to, to share with somebody, to ask those questions, to, to be prayed with, Lord, to, to not give up, but to continue journeying forward with you. And I'm so grateful, God, that as the writer of Hebrews 4 said, that, that we don't have a high priest that can't identify with our sins. Like, you know our weaknesses. You know the things that we're going through. And God, because of that, we can come boldly to you. And we can receive mercy and we can receive grace. And so, God, we do that this morning. God, we, we bring our, our frailty, we bring our, our finite minds, we bring our struggles to you, and we boldly come to you so that we can receive your mercy and receive your grace, Lord. God, we need it now, and we trust you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Uh, my name's Amy, and um, if I haven't yet had the opportunity to meet you, I hope that that does um, happen soon. Uh, but most of you will remember last summer when uh, gas prices hiked up to almost $5 a gallon. Um, that's the time that my family and I decided we were going to go on a 2,200-mile road trip, you know, because nobody said we were really that wise. But, um, but other, than, other than the gas prices, it really was just a great time. We were gone for 12 days and got to visit um, lots of different places. We went to New York City and saw a Broadway show. We went to Scranton and did some things um, related to the office. We visited um, lots of museums and amusement parks and things like that. But it was just a great trip. But probably my favorite part of that trip was when we got to go to a courthouse in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And um, I know you're thinking, okay, she's weird if that's her favorite thing of that trip. But um, actually, we were there because we were invited to um, be there for the adoption proceedings in a courtroom um, for two new family members. Um, about a year before, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law had taken in two boys from the foster care system, and they were 16 and 8. And we got to be there and witness uh, their adoption. And um, it was just such a wonderful experience. But probably the, the most moving part for me was as the judge is going through all of the legalese that he has to say, he says to each boy, now, your name is going to be, and then they said his new legal name, and then said, and you are now part of this family forever. And that was just so moving and touching to me um, to just watch that, to know that um, names that, not only their legal name, but names that these boys had been known before um, 
were now changed. You know, formerly they were known as foster child, um, unwanted, ward of the state, um, unloved. And with that proclamation from the judge, their name now, be they became known as a son, a nephew, um, a loved member of a family. And it just was so powerful. But I think it's also a great picture of what Jesus does for us. Um, in Ephesians and in Romans, the Bible talks about how we are adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus. And that means that what we were before, maybe names that we called ourselves of unworthy, broken, unloved, worthless, through Jesus, those are all changed and we become chosen, accepted, worthy, beloved sons and daughters of God. And so just as after we were in that courtroom in Pennsylvania, we got gathered around a table and had food and had a great celebration, we now here get this opportunity to gather around the table and celebrate the fact that Jesus, through Jesus, we are sons and daughters of the King. So as a, I'm just gonna pray in a minute, everyone who is here is welcome to come up to one of these tables and um, whether you've been here for five minutes or 50 years, and just celebrate the fact that we have been adopted into God's family. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for uh, who you are and for um, the fact that you adopt us as your beloved sons and daughters. And I pray your blessing on this time of communion. In Jesus' name, amen.